we have good news today. Our Savior has come. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Yes, amen. You might be thinking, what are we amen about? Our Savior has come. We have good news today. Our Savior has come. How many of you have ever waited for a very long time for something great to arrive? And when the day finally comes, you are just overfilled with joy because it actually arrived. Anybody experienced something like that? Christmas? Hello? Anybody? A birthday, perhaps? I remember getting married and looking at my wife, being so thankful and excited. And we celebrated 15 years of marriage just a couple months ago. And so grateful for her. And I remember, man, just waiting to get married. You see, I was 25 when we got married and she was 21. So I had to wait a whole lot longer you know, figuring all that stuff out. I had a few hairs left holding on strong. And uh, I was just so excited, just, just the waiting and anticipating. But you know, it's in the waiting for things to happen that we can oftentimes lose our hope. It's in that gap between something that's spoken, something that will happen, and when it finally does happen, if you're like me, it can be difficult. Can anybody relate to that? To your neighbor and say, it's okay in the waiting. Maybe online, it's okay while you're waiting. It's okay while you're waiting. Because I have just found that oftentimes it's in the waiting times that God does some amazing things in my life. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Nate. I'm the pastor here along with my wife, Mael, and my two boys. And obviously we were so thrilled. Aren't the kids just amazing? Isn't it so fun to see those kids worshiping God? I'm just so thankful. But you know, in, in the waiting times of our lives, you know, there's so much that happens. I can remember being in school, in college in particular. I went to Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington. And I can remember sitting in my chair and looking out and it would just be dumping rain. Rain, more rain, and, and, and more rain. And I remember thinking, will I ever get done? And then we, my Ellen and I got married, and we were both in college at the exact same time. She was still at Northwest, and I had gone on and done my master's. And I can remember her. She, my Ellen is just this amazing student. She would always be done with her homework, study for her test well in advance, and she would get to bed early that night, arise. I feel like she did her devotions. The anointing of the Lord was upon her and she was ready to crush the day. Okay, who is like Mael? You are always prepared early. Anybody, raise your hand if you're prepared early. Early preparers? Oh, not as many as I thought. Now let's contrast to the rest of us. You know, and, and I would go to bed uh, two, three, four, maybe not even go to bed because I was preparing for my test. Anybody else? I would study late at night. And, you know, I, I, I like the pressure maybe. Maybe that's why I would do that. Anybody else? 
and, and I would roll out of bed in my sweats and the day would come and the test would arrive or the paper. And, you know, um, we always joke that Mael actually owns at least 50 to 60% of my master's because she helped me staying up night after night, getting me through. Yes, thank you so much. Let's give it up for Mael. She helped me get through. Yes. And, and um, you know, what's funny about it is that no matter how you prepare, the day still comes. No matter what you think to be true about those tests, no matter what you write on that paper, the day is going to come. And what I love about Palm Sunday is that there was a prophecy over 500 years before it actually came true, and yet it still came true. Even though there were people that followed God, even though there were people that rejected God, even though people believed different things about who the Messiah was, what he would come to do, all these different things are happening, and yet God's will will be done. I have come here this morning to remind you, no matter where you find yourself, you may be in a high point, a low point, a struggle to see, is God faithful? Will this work out? Will this all happen? I want you to know that Palm Sunday reminds every single one of us that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he would do. And the challenge for you and for me is that in the middle of the details of our lives that God absolutely cares about, we have to remember that it's not just about me, but it's about his story, that he's working it all out for his plan and his purposes. You see, in Zechariah 9.9, I want you to read this with me. It says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your, comes to, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Isn't that interesting? The king has come, and he's supposed to be on a horse with victory and power. But it says, no, 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 no. He's going to come completely different than what you thought. And I think so often I th we miss what God's up to because we have a perception of how it's supposed to be. We think it's supposed to be one way. God shows up differently. And we wonder, is God actually in this? Palm Sunday reminds us that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, but it may not look the way you wanted it to. And so I want to encourage you real quick. Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21? Now, this story is in all four Gospels. But we're going to read out of Matthew 21. But Zechariah 9.9, that passage of Scripture, it shows up, like I said, 500 years before Jesus actually comes. Now, it's really important that we understand the context of this. You see, when Zechariah writes this, it's not like Israel is doing well. They're actually in captivity and in exile. The temple's destroyed. Hope is down. Everybody's sad. They've lost so much. They're hurting. And out of nowhere in this darkness, the word of God comes and says, rejoice. I want to encourage you today, if you find yourself in a place in your life where you're struggling, the best thing you could do is open God's word and say, I trust you, Lord. I believe you. I rejoice in who you are. 
Because when you do that, you're breaking the, the lies of the enemy that aren't true about God. He's forgotten about me. He doesn't see the hurt that I'm in. Some people even go so far as to say, God caused this in my life. And we say and repeat things that God never said or never did because here's the truth, we're dealing with pain. And when we're in pain, it's hard for us to understand what God's actually up to and to trust that he is good and that he will fulfill everything that he's promised that he said he would do. That's why Palm Sunday is so powerful, so incredible because it unlocks so much of the mystery of what the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this is massive story of God revealing who he is to mankind, that he has a plan. And in the middle of all of that, there's prophecy, there's promises, there's things that have to happen. And Jesus shows up and he fulfills all of them. He's here. The king is come. And because the king has come, I can have hope for today. And my big idea, if you're taking notes, is simply this. I have hope because the king has come. Turn to your neighbor and let's say the big idea. I have hope because the king has come. In Matthew 21, 1 through 17, I want to read this to you. And here's what it says. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Then two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt on him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Most of the time when we read this story, if you're like me, we stop here. We stop here. We think this is the whole story. And I, I want to encourage you today, and we're going to read through this in a moment, but there will be temptations and times in your life where you will stop short of what God has for you. You see, in this story, when you read the Bible, you will find out in just a moment that there are things that seem to be disconnected, but actually they are very connected. And as you read this story, Palm Sunday, the reason there's all these crowds is because just a few verses earlier, Jesus had been in this town and he raised Lazarus from the dead. He comes out wrapped up like a mummy and he's alive. He'd been dead and now he's alive. And so the whole crowd is like, 
oh my goodness, he's coming. And so people are there. And why are they celebrating? Because it's the beginning of Holy Week and they're getting ready for Passover, one of the festivals. And they're so excited and they're celebrating. And all of a sudden they get the word, Jesus is coming. Is it the Messiah? Is it him? Is he the one that's going to save us? And here's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to remove Rome, the Roman rule. Why? Because when they look back in history, Passover was to celebrate how God had saved them from being slaves in Egypt. So they're going to get set free from Egyptian slavery and go to the promised land. That's what they're looking for. So they're thinking Rome. They're thinking all these different things. But Jesus did not come just to set you, from, set you free from temporal pain, temporal sorrow. He came to set you free from eternal death, hell, and the grave. He came for something so much bigger than what these people are looking for. And I think what often you and I are looking for. You see, we can have hope today because the king has come not just to conquer the little things in our lives as much as they matter, but so that you and I would have hope for the future. You see, the truth is the longer we live in life, the more pain we go through. The more sorrow we see, the more disappointment we have, and the more we could, if we choose, to look at things and think, I'm not sure if God's good. I can remember being 12 years old, playing Little League Baseball, and I never forgot we were going to practice, and one of the practices, we showed up, and one of the parents said, where's Paul? And we all said, oh, Paulie, yeah, where's Paulie? We had no idea where Paulie was. Found out that him and his brother were playing a game, and they accidentally strangled him and killed him to death. Killed him. It was one of the most devastating things I've ever seen. And I remember being broken and I went to the funeral and I remember being devastated and sad. Where are you, Lord? In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the anguish, where are you? And I'll never forget looking at the parents' eyes, going to the funeral, looking, and in the middle of the pain and the sorrow, these parents said, I don't know how, but I trust God. I don't know how, but I trust God. You see, what Jesus offers you and for me is something so much more important than anything this world can offer, is that there is no death that our God has not conquered. There is no evil our God is not king over. The things that we go through in this life, you see, one of the things that can happen in Christian churches is that we can have a tendency to gloss over the pain that we really go through in life. And the authentic thing that every single one of us need to know is that even in the pain, even in the sorrow, we have a king who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Therefore, we have hope today. You see, I came today to tell you because there are people in this room right now, maybe online, you're going through real pain. You're hurting, you're struggling. It could be a diagnosis, it could be finances, it could be relationships. And the things that you have built your life with and all these different things, it's like this ball that's right here and all of a sudden it just feels like it's crumbling in your hand and you're like, God, where are you? Do you see me? Do you hear my cries? Palm Sunday reminds you and me that the King has come. The King has come. So we don't suffer, we don't, we don't mourn like people without hope. Why? Because Jesus said these powerful words. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. Amen. 
So in this grand story of Palm Sunday, Jesus comes riding in and everyone's shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is this the king? Is this the king? So many people stop right there. But look what happens. Jesus entered, verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the, but the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Palm Sunday is an amazing Sunday. Why is it so amazing? Like I said, the 500-year-old prophecy from Zechariah. And then Jesus is quoting Psalms 8-2. And this is what it says. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. What is Jesus saying? These kids are proclaiming that I am king. And they're asking Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Do you know what they're saying about you? And what does he say? Yes. Publicly for the first time, he's coming out and he's saying, I am king. That's why we have kids singing on Palm Sunday. They're literally telling us as adults, praise God. Praise the Lord. This may not be your favorite song. This may not be your favorite style. It doesn't matter. It's about the king. Lay down your preferences for him. It's not about me. It's about him. The kids are the ones telling us this over and over and over. And what does Jesus say? Yes, it's me. And so we have good news today. Just as the kids are saying, just as the Bible is saying, you and I can have hope today because our king has come. But this king is not like any other king. He's different on so many different levels. And what makes Jesus, what makes this king so different? I'm going to give you a few things that tell us why Jesus was so different. Number one, if you're taking notes, is he was humble. Zechariah 9.9, we already said this, but I want to read this one more time. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Everyone expected him to come, maybe on a horse, triumphant entry, all these different things, and yet he comes low, unlike anybody the world would ever see or even hope for. Why? Because they want victory. And what most people don't realize is victory in the kingdom is upside down. It starts with humility. There was a pastor and I'll give you his name. He was born in the 1850s. He was a pastor during 19, uh, in the early 1900s. His name's Dr. Harry Ironside. And uh, he was a famous pastor and did some amazing things for, for God. And one day the Lord was speaking to him and he was praying and some friends were talking to him and he said, I'm a proud man. 
I need to humble myself like my king, like Jesus. And he was trying to figure out how he could humble himself. How many know if you need to try and figure out how to humble yourself, there's probably a lot of pride going on. (laughs) So one of his friends suggested, you should wear a sign that has Bible verses on it, put it over your head, and walk through the streets of Chicago and shout the verses as loud as you can, and that will humble you. So he put the sign on, and he walked all throughout the streets of Chicago yelling, For God so loved the world that he gave his only God, so believe me, not perish, but have a life. And he's just quoting verses all over, thinking he made a fool of himself, going out, doing all of this, and he gets back into his study, takes the sign off, and he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, wow, I bet nobody else ever did anything like that. <laughs> Humility is something that Jesus asks all of us to re-examine our own lives. Because pride is one of those things that we actually need other people to help us see. There's a blind spot <laughs> that all of us have, and yet we think we've got it figured out. God says, I'm gonna oppose the proud, but I will give grace to the humble. In our lives, you and I will be faced over and over with the chance, will we lay down our pride and give our hearts back to God and surrender everything to him Or will we say, no, 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 no. I've got it all figured out. I'm good. I'm good. In case you didn't hear me, I'm good. (laughs) And what we have to recognize is Jesus didn't just come as a king to say, hey, I'm taking over. But he's showing us the manner in which as as the king of the universe, how he wants all of us to live. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this, verse 5, it says, you, me and you, must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he, appro- when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He laid down his life, his kingship. That, in case you're wondering, that passage is read to you in Philippians, a very, very popular passage. It's called the kenosis passage, which means simply in Greek that God emptied himself. He gave up himself for his, for his people. Why, why is that so important? Because so often in life, we think we're being humble, but we're not. We think that we've got it all figured out and at that moment, we just know we're just a step away from rocking right into pride, aren't we? There was a pastor. My dad used to tell me this story. I, I've heard it many times. But there was a pastor that would go to his office on Saturday nights. And he would go and he would park his car and go in and study. He would leave his light on, leave his car in the parking lot, and he would walk four miles home. So that when people would drive by, they would think he was in his office studying and praying. I know, right? I thought the same thing. And he would, 
act like he had this spiritual thing all figured out. And you know, it's true, isn't it? People like to put this posture out there that I'm so this, I'm so that. I've got all this figured out. And it flips, doesn't it? We think we've got it all figured out. We've got it all. It's like, man. But Jesus is saying something that's so powerful for all of us. He's saying, hey, you and I have things that we've put on. This coat, it can represent status. It can represent I've got it all figured out. And here's the lie of the enemy. You ready for this? The lie of the enemy is that what you wear, your status, everything that you've been working for and earning, all of the things that we worry about, stress, status, fame, finances, everything, marriage, all of those different things, that when we put it up and we say, this must be the king, you know what, who's the king? His name is Jesus. And what did they do before Jesus came in on a donkey? They took their coats. They took the palm branches and they threw it at his feet. You see, Jesus is humble and he's also Lord. And the question I have for you today is what do you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? What, is, what are you wearing? What is more important to you? What is something that you're saying could be a jacket, could be shoes? And, and for all of us, it's different. But he is Lord. The first thing he says right out of the bat when they say, are you, are you the son of David? That means, are you the king? You know what he says? I am. And you know what the Bible says? That at his name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So the question we have to ask ourselves, is he Lord over some of the things in my life? Or is he Lord over all. Is he Lord over all? And the truth is, only you and Jesus can answer that. The Holy Spirit is the one who will reveal truth to you and to me. You see, in Matthew 21, 15 through 16, I want to read this to you. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever heard the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Do you hear what they are saying? Do you hear what they are saying? What are they saying? He's Lord. If he's Lord, I'm not. If he's Lord, I'm not. And the problem with this statement that many people gloss over is that they think Jesus was a moral good teacher. But for him to make this claim about himself is actually pretty crazy, unless it's true. C.S. Lewis says it this way, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. 
Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You cannot shut him up for a fool. You cannot spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you cannot fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open for us, and he never intended to. Jesus is making a statement for all of us. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. You see, it's really easy to say, Jesus, I give you this part of my life, but I want to hold this part. You see, you're humble. I like that. But Lord over everything, everything, nothing held back. I want you to look at your life for just a moment. Is he Lord over everything? Only you and him will know. And the only way that God wants, man, it's so powerful. The only thing that God wants for all of us, this this is so powerful. I want you to hear this. He's coming after your heart. Because people are saying, man, he wants my money. He wants this. He wants this. No, no, no. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. He's after you. He loves you. And that leads us to the third and final thing. Jesus come to, came to present hope. I had said in verse 14, if you heard this last part, many people stopped short of Palm Sunday. But do you realize when Jesus came in, to the temple, he clears out the money changers. He clears out all these different things. And it says something so powerful. The blind and the lame came to him. And what did he do? He healed them. Do you see how beautiful that is? And this grand story of creation and God and redemption and all that's happening, he still sees you and he sees me. And he says, I came for you. I want you to think about this on Palm Sunday. He comes in riding on a, on a donkey. And everyone's cheering his name. And as he's looking at this crowd, eye to eye, eye to eye, eye to eye, as he's looking at them, you know what he knows? In less than a week, all of these people who are saying, Hosanna, you know what they're going to say? Crucify him. And yet he still did it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, you and I need a savior. You and I need redemption. You and I need Jesus. You see, we can have hope because our king has come. If you're here this morning, Jesus has come to present hope to you. He's come to present hope for me. Some of you may have heard of a man named Ben Roethlisberger. He uh, stole a Super Bowl from the Seahawks, just saying. (laughs) I'm over it, it's okay. But throughout his career, he had been around religion. He had been around different things. In 2008, he almost got put in jail for doing some horrific things. In the middle of 2010, he's won Super Bowls. Everything is going perfectly well. And he's on his motorcycle without a helmet and he drives right into a car. His head goes right through a window and he should have been killed instantly. Somehow, miraculously, 
he lives. He's trying to rehabilitate. He's trying to do things right. He's struggling with drinking his whole life. He has everything going perfectly for him. He even knows about God. He has all the finances in the world, everything. And yet there was something inside of his soul that was completely lost. And so he ends up going to a Toby Mac concert that a friend invited him to. And the song that was saying was, I don't want to gain the world and lose my soul. And as he's standing there watching this concert, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, you are Lord of your life, not me. You're in charge. And he said right there in that moment, he just broke. And you see the challenge for someone like him has all of his sins, all of his brokenness, because if you go and Google this guy's story, you will find all of the things that he did wrong. And people are going to say, how could God save a man like that? The same way he saved me. I am lost. I am broken without him. If he's not Lord over everything, it's not enough. He needs to be Lord over all of my life. In 2017, he went and got baptized. God redeemed his entire story. Now he goes to Toby Mac concerts. I'll show you this picture. He goes to concerts. That's him. That's Toby Mac. That's his beautiful wife and kids. And they're going and they're serving Jesus. And they're preaching a different story. But here's the truth. The enemy will always try and remind you of your past. Because every time he does something or he preaches the gospel, there will be haters that come up online. They'll tweet and they'll say, oh, but you did that. Oh, but you did this. Oh, but you did that. And you know, the devil's trying to lie to you as well. You can't come and repent to God today. What would people think at church? It's Palm Sunday. You got to get to brunch. And yet the Holy Spirit is saying, am I Lord over all? Have you withheld anything in, my, in your life? You see, the only way to experience true freedom, to experience the abundant life that Jesus has offered for all of us, is if we say, God, I take everything the things that I'm wearing, the things that I'm hiding, everything, and I lay it at your feet so a donkey can walk across it because you're king. I'm not king. If you're here this morning, I want to offer you hope because the king has come. Don't allow pride to blind you from receiving the freedom that Christ has in your life. All it takes is a simple prayer, but more importantly, a heart that's transformed by the love of God. When you receive your king, there's hope and he gets to be Lord. And when he is Lord, your life will radically change. If I could have everyone, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you just be completely honest with me, you say, Pastor Nate, man, what you're saying, I am holding some things back. God's Lord of part of my life, but he's not Lord of everything. There are things in my life that you're not Lord over. So I want to ask forgiveness for that. If that's you this morning and you, you know there's different things in your life that you need to surrender to Jesus, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right where you're at. Lots of hands. There's things, Jesus is not Lord of everything. He's Lord of some things, but not everything. Lots of hands everywhere. Thank you. Father, right now you see those hands. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would touch them that you would help all of us to surrender everything to you. 
Palm Sunday, you are King, you are Lord. Easter is coming, you risen. You have conquered death, hell, and the grave. You are the soon and coming King, you are Lord. You deserve it all. So Father, today we surrender every part of our lives. We hold nothing back. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? One last thing as we're all standing, I'm gonna just pray for anybody here that wants to let Jesus be their Lord and Savior. This is salvation. You came in not knowing Jesus, but on the way in, you're like, man, I need to know Jesus. I want to, we, every Sunday, we want to give people an opportunity to become a Christian. So if you're here either online or in the house, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, i just love for you to slip up your hand right where you're at. People are watching. That's all good. It's all about Him. You want Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We want to pray for you right where you are. Go ahead and raise your hand. If there's anybody here, that you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Thank you. I saw that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Well, let's all pray together. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I surrender everything to you. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 As we get ready to sing this last, last song, I want to encourage you. If you raised your hand for the first one, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all in your life. I want to encourage you. Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. The altars are here. Just come down and lay them at his feet. Lay something at his feet. Just say, Jesus, you are Lord. There's no judgment. I challenge every one of us, humble, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Father, I bless everyone here and I pray as we worship you that we would humble ourselves and put everything at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.